So the, the situation at the border, you're saying, is not a disaster? That is correct. What was that like? Is that to me that was the most bizarre was the Twitter files when you let Schellenberger yeah. and Matt Taibbi and all those guys get in the Twitter and the, the response where Matt Taibbi gets audited. I mean, which is just wild. I mean, just just so blatant and so in your face. Yeah, it's weird. No, I, I mean, the yeah the the degree to which and and by, by the way, Jack didn't really know know this, but the degree to which Twitter was simply. Um, an arm of the government was not well understood by the public, and uh, it it was there was no it was whatever the official government. I mean, it was like Pravda, basically. Um, you know, it's a state publication is the way to think of old Twitter. It was a state publication. On this vote, the yeas are 234 and the nays are 188, with four answering present. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. So we've now heard from a handful of Democrats, from David Axelrod uh, to Congresswoman uh, Jayapal uh, to obviously Dean Phillips, who's running against Biden in the primaries, all expressing concern about Biden's run in 2024, especially after the latest poll numbers. Um, do you share those concerns? I don't share those concerns. Now, look, I think we should look at the poll. we got to get into the data, and we can figure out how we need to improve our, our messaging. Because I do think we have a messaging issue in that we got to continue to feed the beast every single solitary day. And welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 156 here on Wednesday, November 8th. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm Mike McKenna. And how are you today, Mike McKenna? Okay. How about you? I am hanging in there. Thank you very much. Um, but Mayorkas, he's not doing so well. <laughs> Secretary Mayorkas was up on the Senate this week. And uh, he declared everything is fine on our southern border. Oh, and by the way, he also did takesies backsies on the need for a border wall i don't know if you caught that yeah they've been they've been they've been looking at they've been looking to muddy that water for a couple of weeks now so so what was the so you, you we talked about that we thought it was a hedge for any potential shenanigans as a result of hamas and all that and so now they're assessing that the coast is clear or what 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 do you think yeah i think that's right you know they're they're, they're i i can't tell if it's like you know they're they're going to like i said muddy the water so they can say one thing to one side of the electorate and then the other side other thing to the other side of the electorate they it, i would imagine they're going to try to muddy the water with a lot of stuff with respect to trump right stuff that's been id'd as as a his thing right and the wall is his thing more than anybody else you know, gives Biden a chance to say, I'm in favor of the wall too. Or yeah. or if he's talking to Amtrak conductors or whoever his pals are, I'm in, I'm, say, I'm not in favor of the wall. He's still he's still bringing up that damn conductor who like died in 1993 or whatever. It's you it's know, just, it's, it's what old guys do, man. It's just wild. It's, what it's old, very wild. Speaking speaking as an old guy, it's what old guys do. We just keep telling the same boring stories forever. You know, this Amtrak stuff is 
been going on for a very very since probably the uh inception of amtrak when i was uh, on the hill many many centuries ago i mastermind a deal where we at the western caucus took down amtrak funding because the moderates at the time and there were moderates in the republican party not like the ones they call themselves moderates today they're it's a very different animal but they wanted all this Amtrak money, but they didn't want to support our private property rights legislation out west. So I think uh, we I think we missed an opportunity here. I think we should have I think we should have gone to we should have gone to this thing with um, all of our offshore oil and gas revenues will be dedicated to Amtrak. Yeah, yeah that's good. I like it because you know it doesn't get you anything in Louisiana any of these other <laughs> things. It gets you nothing. These guys are going to vote for you anyway. Yeah, you know we should, we should, we need to start buying off people who need to be bought off. That's like when John Dingle, uh, when they started running those, um, and your your boss finally sealed the deal on that. Unfortunately, uh, trying to lock oil and gas revenue to coastal this and and coastal that, and uh, Dingle was able to carve michigan in as a coastal state because of the lake got a great lake sure absolutely <laughs> what the hell i mean oh you're less someone part of me wishes we did that again like we went back to the back to old school right like let's just do it let's get back to it and and have you know these i, I don't think any regular order let's uh, i there's my beating my drum again i don't think any but of these... that's how deals get done i don't think so. any of these guys have that capability anymore they're they're too they're too busy making speeches to actually figure out how to get stuff done. So uh Speaker Johnson hit the gavel second week in a row. This time they got the censure resolution through on Rashida Tlaib for being a really nasty woman, mm -hmm. as President uh, Trump would I, say. I <clears throat> I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna get in trouble for it as soon as it's out of my mouth. Who cares? Well, 22 Democrats, I think, crossed over. Who cares? Which, uh, Let me ask you a question. What does a censure of the House get you? Does it? Do, do they take your money away? Well, for um, do they do they take your staff away? Do they no, take your office space away? Raised, for uh, Adam Oh Shifty Schiff over there, he raised a bunch of money off of it. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't get. Somebody. So. Somebody will have to explain to me like what having you know a couple hundred cheeseheads who who most of whom like are not capable of finding jobs in a private sector have them vote against you i'm like what does that get who cares you know what well you know i, I would it, like if i could figure out a way i would get the house to censure me and i would make money off it just like shift did yeah well i think you know much like many other precedents and um different tools at capitol hill on the cap on in Congress, it, it meant something at some time, right? To be censured meant like you you did some pretty nasty stuff. But nowadays, this began with impeachment, right? We're going to impeach a, you know, it's like we're going to, you can indict a ham sandwich. Now you can impeach any president for pretty much anything. Well, I, I just, you know, I, I, I'm not exactly clear what she did. I know what she said. I'm like, but if you're going to start, if you're going to start, yeah, you know, yeah, if, you, if that's the road we're down, it's going to be a bad road because pretty soon you're going to be like, hey, man, that guy roots for the Bills instead of the Bengals. Let's censure him. Ha! Man, don't don't bring up a sore subject. Sorry. I'm this, this, there you go. By the way, um, 
it is partly because the Democrats created these categories of hate of of speech that are criminally you know criminally offensive, right? All this hate speech garbage and everything else. So I, I we can blame them to some extent. I'm but. not all that excited about blaming them, considering it was a Republican motion to censor censure. True. Um, Joe Rogan uh, interviewed Elon Musk, and there's clips everywhere that he talked about Soros and and other uh, things. But but uh, this little gem uh, just kind of remind folks of, of how um, of, and why uh, Republicans and conservatives uh, had a right to be concerned about the the bias in social media. I guess he basically stated that the Republicans suppressed. Twitter suppressed Republicans at like 10x yeah. uh, over over Democrats. So shocker. On other news, the sun came up in the east this morning. <laughs> um, and then I don't know where Twitter where X is gonna go. Uh I, I heard that they're they're quickly trying to turn it into XTV, right? Like every, it has become a another Basically, it's another video platform. There's there's really hardly any dialogue happening anymore on Twitter. So, hey, probably all for the best. I'm not really I'm not really sure I'm not really sure time spent on Twitter was healthy. TikTok, Insta, Twitter. Uh, we're getting yeah. our we're getting our news and information from individuals who we barely know, um, who produce 25 and 30 second obnoxious videos to exp tell people how to think. I got to be honest with you, that Mike Collins thing from yesterday was awesome. I enjoyed it immensely. What was that? I think I missed it. I sent it to you, man. You should have you should have watched it. It was a oh. it's a two minute video of like, <laughs> it's difficult to explain. It it, it basically a, a a clip of like everybody in the Republican conference in various and it, with a, just a couple of just really hysterical cutouts. He's got. He's got one of the one of the one of the female members. I can't remember which one from from Texas. Um, asking some poor witness, like, was he in favor of regulating spoons? You know, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> this guy's like, I'm not in favor of regulating spoons. And then you know, it has a bunch of jump cuts, but it's got that right. It's got that. Right, one in there. I'll, I'll, we'll it's put awesome. in the show notes if it was good enough to, it, to it, get into my inbox. It it made and me. I laugh. apologize. Yeah, oh, they're I'm dealing with a. You have two reactions uh, to it. People are either like, "What the hell was that?" or "That thing's hilarious." I'm dealing with a, uh, a total lost vehicle at the moment. I, I understand. Sidetracked. Okay. Uh, once again, Biden's numbers are in the tank, and it's simply due to a messaging problem. Yeah. Democrats have a messaging problem. That's they, if they fix they, that. They're going to be just fine. They do have a messaging problem. The, the problem is their messenger is not good. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that they could benefit from is recognizing that all of their chatter about uh, this being one of the most uh, you know, successful presidents with respect to the economy continues to... Uh, Ignore the fact that in the word, the one thing that's destroying everything that they're doing, and I don't think they're doing anything good, 
is the word inflation. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. If you are, if you are spent, if you are, if you are spending more than you make, no matter how much more you make, it's irrelevant. If you're spending, you know, uh, inflation is not going down fast enough to account for the increase in the cost of everything that inflation has created. And yet they're continuing to print money hand over fist and they can't spend their inflation reduction act fast enough because as you pointed out, they better spend it now because, you know, uh, Republicans are at some point going to claw back at it. So yeah, forget Republicans, Democrats are going to claw at it. Right. Every, yeah. It's a, it's a great big giant pay for now. Everybody's it's a slow moving pay for everyone's going to have a piece of the action. And we did leave a clip on the show, uh, uh, on the showroom floor, Democrat, uh, representative Jamal Brown Bowman said that Republicans are the response are the reason for inflation true yeah it's absolutely true i don't understand what he's talking about but it's absolutely true because he said it yeah i i I, um you know i mean i will say you know president trump had his had his role in this run-up but um, oh i'm not saying that there is no responsibility but but team biden kind of took it to another level and the and the fact that the fact that you know the budget is now uh three years on back to COVID emergency levels kind of makes you wonder. Yeah, like, like it's we're, insane. We're spending it's like, six. Um, we're spending six and a half trillion bucks a year. It's 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 a lot. You know, I think I brought this up in past episodes. It's worth repeating. Every time we we went on a spending binge, it was mainly tied to a world war, and or a bloody civil war or a revolutionary war, um, and worked diligently to reduce spending get it under control this is going the opposite direction and covid was not anywhere near any kind of uh the the same level right so this it it's not sustainable Uh, all right uh announcements any from you yeah i want to i want to um Wish the United States Marine Corps a very happy, whatever the hell it is now, 240th, 48th birthday. Um, That's it. That's it. That's my announcement. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to the United States Marine Corps. That's how sad my life is. Uh, Maybe while we're talking, the uh, producer can look up the the actual number for us. I was doing the math. It's November 10th, 1775. Just took me a second. That's two days from now. That's not this day in history, or I would have caught it. Right. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do a podcast between now and November 10th. So, all right. I just have one. Uh, Mike had an opportunity to sit down with a fellow warrior and uh, member of the um, Sane Club here uh, in in our world, Jason Isaac, with the Texas Public Policy Foundation and uh, his project within is called life powered yeah he's got a new gig it's the american energy institute uh yeah i heard about that too and glad you guys got into that a little bit it's a little bit duplicative i would argue but that's cool yeah yeah, whatever (laughs) 
anyway so we'll get to that in the middle of the show and until then um what happened today in 1966 november 8th 1966 yes sir i have no clue well, on this day in 1966, uh, the president at the time, Lyndon Johnson, did the single most important thing of his presidency. And that is he signed a tax bill that had a rider allowing the NFL to merge with the AFL. <laughs> there you go. That, thus preventing legal challenges involving antitrust issues. That in Vietnam. Yeah. In 1972, on this day. On this in day in 1972, 1972. Uh, Richard Nixon was reelected. I'll give you a hint. Richard Nixon na, was reelected. Okay, you need to work on your uh, on tonal quality. <laughs> I, I give up. What? This was the day that a little known cable television company called home box office officially debuted okay you need to bring that up in like the tenor range if you're going to try that we're the only two people who listen who are going to know what that was Seriously. anyway so. yeah in 1994 on this day I was in Stockton, California, uh, in the at the Stockton Fairgrounds. November eighth, nineteen ninety four. On this day in nineteen ninety four, was this the Northridge earthquake? No, sir. It was a it was an earthquake. All right, it was a political earthquake. Oh, this this the Republicans took the House back and blah blah blah, and Newt Gingrich convinced everybody it was because of the contract with America and. That whole and they and we ushered in an era of Frank Luntz telling us what to do. That is that what that is it, I sir. It right? okay. but I uh, will add a little color. The first time in forty years that the Republicans had control of both the House and the Senate, and we did a lot with it, so it was good. Well, I know we were busy. Uh, you yeah. know, for, for the first. <laughs> For the first hundred days, I barely slept. We were uh, busy. Okay, back to my question: so, Do we do anything with it, or we just yeah, look like, busy? Yeah, a welfare reform and a few other things. I mean, Clinton, Clinton, to his credit, pivoted a little bit, so got a few things done, some tax cuts. Um, okay, and then lastly, uh, this uh, on this day in 2020, the uh, a gentleman who became ubiquitous with answering answers with questions passed away no uh, what's his name the the jeopardy alex trebek, alex trebek the, the jeopardy dude you know who was canadian he could, probably couldn't help that you are where you are where you're born right? <laughs> have they replaced him yet i heard they were having trouble with that oh i don't know i know they were they were doing it with the lady from um the uh, Big Bang, right? The Big Bang Theory. Every time I turn on, every time I turn it on, she's she's hosting it. But I don't know if that's a thing or just well, a guest. Maybe game. she's maybe they did make her permanent. I don't know. I haven't watched in a while. Okay, so let's just let's get this let's get this show going here. Uh, we got to talk about last night. Yeah, it was a uh, 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 incumbents night. It was a it was a big night for incumbents, and also. Uh, 
uh, a big night for abortionists and um, not such a big night for Republicans. Not such a big night for Republicans last night. Virginia, not only did uh, we not take the Senate back, but we lost the, the they lost the, the the House of Delegates. Yeah. And what's the what's the final number going to be on that? It'd be it's going to be fifty one forty nine and and twenty one nineteen. Wow. Yeah. Here's what happened. As well, be- let me let me do the wrap. Let me do the sweep. Uh, okay, sure. Go ahead. So Kentucky, uh, the incumbent governor won. Yeah. In spite of the McConnell machine yeah. uh, attempting, uh, a, a popular incumbent governor won the Democrat. And in o- Ohio, they enshrined into the Constitution a initiative uh, protecting abortion, among other things. There was a lot of shenanigans there, though, we could probably get into. But let's talk about it. What do you want to uh, break down Virginia for me, and I'll let you know if I agree or disagree. Well, there's nothing to agree or disagree about. It just is what it is. The Democrats didn't beat a single. The Democrats didn't beat a single Republican who hadn't been redistricted, right? Um, for their part, the Republicans did much better than they did in 2021 in all the Biden districts. So, if you if you look at it one way, if we had about I don't know five million more bucks, we probably would have taken the Senate and the House. Um, if you look at it another way, we're about one cycle away from taking the Senate and the House anyway, right? So we're going to have the same so, we're going to have the same conversation so, twenty twenty seven. We'll probably be fine. The other yeah. thing, the other thing is, is that you know, when Governor Youngkin, you know, never really pressed the abortion thing, right? The the advertisements were were terrible, um, and and not interesting, right? And so. We need to do something more on the pro-life side, something different, not more, but something different. And, um, you know, Virginia, we need to, the RNC need to give them more money. The shakeout of all of it is Kentucky, Ohio, Virginia. I have no idea how Ronald McDaniel's still working today. Uh, you know, this is ridiculous. I mean, at some point you have to tender your resignation. You, know, you lose every election you're involved in. At some point you're like, maybe I should be selling cars instead of politicians. Anyway, go ahead. That's- lucrative these days selling cars i'm in the market i'll give you i'll give you my take on a couple a couple of things one i the republican pro-life movement does need to retool Uh, i think they spent so many years on you know focusing on roe and you know during the during the clinton administration i don't know why i'm bringing this back up but you know the the democrats were in a very different place on this issue and partly because the Republicans or the pro-life movement did a good job of pointing out that, you know, uh, there is a lot of stuff that, you know, we shouldn't be doing with respect to abortion. And and that was sort of when Clinton pivoted to safe, rare and legal. Right. Uh, it's, it's definitely one of the only issues the Democrats have left that they're leading on. And one of the only issues that, you know, Oh, it's a, it's the it's the only thing they ran on in Virginia. I mean, we we watched right. we watched an endless. They ran on two things. They ran on Trump. They ran on abortion. That was it. Yeah. There was nothing else. Yeah. And then uh, so that so like for example in, in Ohio, I think the uh, pro life movement ought to propose their own uh, amendments to that um, to that uh, uh, amendment to clean it up. 
and then they can they can talk about all the flaws with it right um and then in virginia i i do give i i give credit to to governor yonkin he did what leaders should do he led yeah. uh, and he and he put a lot of his personal capital political capital into this race and i will say we i want to see what the early voting numbers are for republicans we did okay we did and, better in this the absentee numbers we did are we time. now have we now moved on and begun to you know uh yeah. develop a, a program to get those votes in early yeah, or are we still i think, we, I think we, we did better in virginia I, i'm gonna have to disagree there on youngkin yeah, you know what i tell you what i want you to do and all our listeners i'm going to give you a homework assignment i want you to take it i, I want you to just do, you know, pick, go find on YouTube, go find some of his commercials. They are completely bereft of detail. And the answer is, you know, whoever he had on, you know, whoever he was having, he said, hey, you know, you know, uh, vote for uh, Senator, you know, vote to reelect Senator Siobhan Donovan, right? She's with us and helped us, you know, reduce taxes and just generally make the things in Commonwealth better. And if you gave me a Republican majority, I could even do more. But he never said what the more might be. Yeah. Okay. You know, I'll take that criticism. I'm like, it, it, the Democrats had two very specific things. You know, whoever they were talking about, this son of a bitch is a, is a Trump guy, right? Just in just in in, in nicer clothes, or hey, this guy's going to keep you from like you know having an abortion. That's it. But I, I tell mm. you truthfully, those were two more policy provisions, issues, grapples, whatever you want to call them, than the Republicans managed to cough up. You're, okay. you're going to you're going to run a contentless campaign. You're going to lose, and you know everybody said, "Well, fifteen weeks, fifteen weeks." If you didn't know that the governor was in favor of fifteen weeks, you would not know. So I I was going to say about that as I don't think that that's a, a solid strat. Uh, if you're going to be for uh, you know a policy, then you're not going to help. You're not going to motivate the pro life crowd, right? That's the dilemma. If you if you plant your flag on fifteen weeks or whatever, um, then you know you may appease some suburban women voters or whatnot, but you're certainly not ginning up the grassroots uh, pro life crowd. So this is why the Republicans have a struggle on this issue. They've got to figure figure out how to keep the pro life crowd engaged and energized uh, uh, while also swatting away at this extremist you know crazy talk that the democrats are are saying about about republicans and abortion yeah agreed. so that was why i was going to say it was a mixed night for for yeah. for Duncan. but at least he put you know his time in and he went and he and he did you know his barnstorm and went went around the state and everything yeah, his else. political team is not good they're just not they're not going to take him to the next level uh, any other thoughts on on is this a is this a bellwether? Uh, no. I mean, you know, yeah, or okay. is this... uh, you know what? I'll take it as a bellwether. And the Republicans did better this year than the, in Virginia this year than they did in 2021. So there you go. You want to take it as a bellwether? There it is. Um, but I, I. I don't think. The thing about Biden is and, you know, you're talking about the presidential race. Um, a generic Democrat would probably beat President Trump. In fact, that's what the survey data tells you. Yeah, but it, but but Mr. Biden would will not or would not right at this moment, which tells you their problem is President Biden, and literally nothing that happened yesterday changes any of that. Right, and you know Donald Trump 
is not when he's not on the ticket, he doesn't have a lot of That's right. His points. guys don't show up. When he's not when right? he's when he's not on the ticket, his guys don't show up. It's a right. it's a you know, the bigger lesson from this for the Republicans is it's probably gonna take us five, six, seven years to wash Mr. Trump out of our hair no matter what happens. So this anybody who thinks like, hey, you know, he'll lose the primary and go away, or hey, he'll lose the presidency and go away. We're gonna have to figure out what to do with his, yeah, his, his well, followers. That leads to my next uh, my next topic here, and uh, well, we'll stay on Trump. It's not a new topic per se, but um, do endorsements matter? Yeah, they do. If they do, if your people vote, they don't. If they don't, does Kim Reynolds' endorsement of Ron DeSantis matter? I think so, given the timing. Yeah, um, you know, she's more popular. Just the setup. This is uh, this is from uh, Des Moines Register. Trump ridicules disloyal Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds as she prepares to endorse DeSantis, which she did, uh, and had a, a, a nice rally for the, the Florida governor. Formal, former President Donald Trump lashed out at Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds on social media Sunday, saying her pending endorsement of Florida Governor DeSantis will be the end of her political career if and when Kim Reynolds of Iowa endorses Ron DeSanctimonious who is absolutely dying in the polls, both in Iowa and nationwide. It will be the end of her political career and that MAGA would never support her again, just as MAGA will never support DeSanctimonious again. Yeah. Two extremely disloyal people getting together is, however, a very beautiful thing to watch. They can now remain loyal to each other because nobody else wants them. Yeah. You know, the thing is, and, and, and okay, so two things. First off, the facts. Um, Governor Reynolds won with 95, won in 2022, won re-election with, uh, in 95 of 99 counties. She, she, um, she won 95 of 99 counties in the state of Iowa. More importantly for our purpose of, for our purposes here, in all 99 counties, she outperformed Donald Trump's um, election results in 2020. And most of them by double digits, not, not by single digits. But in every single one of the counties, she did better than the, than President Trump did in 2020. So that's one. Two is this goes to my point about it's going to take us a while to wash this stuff out of our hair. Because after even even if even if um, God forbid President Trump died tomorrow morning, there would still be I don't know. Let's guess a quarter of the let's guess a quarter of the current voting Republican Party. Um, would still be committed to this MAGA, um, yeah. Idea. I mean, the even, question even is, is can they? Can they? It, it would splinter. Somebody. And, no, it would splinter and yeah. atomize without him. But you're still going to have people walk around hollering, and you know, and and you you know you know how this goes, right? You're still going to have people. You'll never win again. Disloyal, blah blah blah. You're gonna get a lot of that for like even five years after the boss is yeah. out of the scene. And if he wins, it becomes president again. Yeah, you probably want to add five more years onto that, which is you know good news for a guy my age. It means basically the rest of my career I'm gonna to have to deal with this idiocy. Oh no no, you're gonna be around for a very long looking, time. Looking 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 forward looking forward. You know, I, look, I got it. <laughs> you got too I, many. You got a, you got too many estates to manage. I, I got it. I got it. I get it all the time, like off my columns. I get guys who send me emails. You, you've underestimated. You're an idiot. Or you're a rhino. I'm just like, you know, I must have missed you all those years when I was out working for the party. I didn't see you guys once. So it's, 
Just relax, bud. It's it's you it. know you're a loyal soldier. It, I don't care. I don't care. Uh, anyway, so, so it's a the, it's a problem, is what I'm saying. And and the, uh, I get the, it. It's like and it's the fact like that endorsing Johnson after he already won, right? It's well, like, and the fact that the fact that um, you know, Dan Cameron is a great example in Kentucky, right? He he won the primary because Trump endorsed him. He lost the general because Trump endorsed him. Yeah, you know it, it's a it's a bad it's a bad spot, and I don't I'm not sure anybody's figured out how to untie that particular knot. Okay, so anyway, the calculation I assume for the governor, if um, you know, I mean, she obviously supports DeSantis, is that number two coming out of Iowa is the only one who's got a shot. Is that is that the calculation? I believe, you know. Although tr- personally, I think if Trump wins Iowa, the thing's over. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't see how anybody goes to the. Well, as it stands, he's got forty three percent. But as you said last week, it doesn't matter because it's a caucus. It only matters who shows up that night. So yeah, in the in the if anybody you know in the incomprehensible process that is the Iowa caucuses, I, I just if he wins, I don't see how anybody goes. You go to you go to New Hampshire eight days later. I don't see anybody beating him. If they can't beat him in Iowa, they're not going to beat him in New Hampshire, right? If Chris Sununu was thinking differently, he would endorse DeSantis right this second. Or, Give him a little momentum uh-huh. going into New Hampshire. Yeah, we're yeah, a week from now or whatever. He he would. I, I think he's going to wait till after Iowa. Like, dude, shooting could be over by then. I don't care. Um, you know, it, it, but if you're if you're thinking, hey, somebody needs somebody other than Trump needs to win, you should start acting like it. All right, so let's cut to Jason Isaac now. Uh, Mike uh, had the uh, pleasure of spending a little time with Jason. He popped into the AEA studios. Um, Jason, as I mentioned, is um, at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, who is a big dog in Austin and um, used to be a former rep uh, in the in the legislature there. And... Um, TPPF is great on our issues, so uh, enjoy. Hi, I'm Mike McKenna. I am here with uh, Jason Isaac, the Honorable Jason Isaac, who I've actually known for, uh, I don't know, a couple, four, five, six years. I remember you when you were back when you were in the Texas legislature. That's how far back. So it's been a while. He's a senior fellow at the Texas Public Policy Foundation uh, and is launching something called the American Energy Institute. Um, Tell us what that is. So been at TPPF now for five years, and we've sort of been incubating this idea based on some feedback from people that produce energy in this country that feel like they don't have a organization, a trade organization that supports free markets and American energy. Imagine that. They're right. And so this American Energy Institute will be a C6 that will support American energy producers, but it's all about free markets, first and foremost. No corporate collusion, no market manipulation from subsidies. Uh, So really a true free market organization that supports American energy, oil, gas, coal, nuclear, Mm. really anything that's produced in this country that doesn't have a handout to government or uh, is involved with companies that are manipulating the market through like ESG and things like that. Yeah, speaking as a known lobbyist, I'm not sure I'm in favor of that completely. Uh, maybe I'll warm up to it as we go along. What brings you to town? I was here yesterday to uh, testify to the House Ways and Means Committee on uh, ESG uh, hearing to talk about uh, 
senior savings and retirement plans and how they're being manipulated by environmental, social, and governance investing factors? I, you know, a normal person would say, tell me more about yourself. So I'm just going to go with that and then I'll go right to a question about ESG, okay? <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, so I, and I'll, I'll say how I introduced myself yesterday at the hearing. It says, hi, I'm Jason Isaac. And I live a high carbon lifestyle. <laughs> and I think the rest of the world should too. It's truly where you have economic prosperity and environmental leadership. Look at the places around the planet that have high CO2 emissions. Their per capita is higher and the people are flourishing and they have clean air and clean water, just like we do here in the United States. But I served in the legislature in Texas in the Texas House for eight years, primarily on the environmental regulation and energy committees, uh, focusing on uh, our, our environmental leadership and also uh, our ability to have economic prosperity through the production, responsible production of American energy. Prior to that, sales guy, just worked in the trucking industry, marketing technology to trucking companies all over the country, traveled quite a bit. And it, it was there that I learned that when the government gets involved, things get more expensive. You change the taxing structure, you start to demonize trucks that are delivering the things that you and I are wearing, eating, living in today. Uh, that costs go up and that hurts the least among us more than anyone else. No doubt. I'm sorry that you had to work for a living before you found politics, but in <laughs> yeah. each life, a little rain must fall. I thought I it was hard to make a living before I got into politics because of government and then getting into politics. Uh, I, I realized that it's dang near impossible, especially in the Texas legislature that pays $600 a month. We are going to come back to the fact that Texas has managed to screw up its energy market. It's electricity market rather. Um, but right now, I got a different question. Since you're, since we start on ESG, let's go on ESG. Um, and, and these are intertwined. So if you want to answer in a complicated fashion, I will I will accept all answers. Um, biggest risk to American investors: the um, the guardians of ESG um, certitude. I think the rating agencies and a couple of the bigger investment houses. When I think about that, right? Those guys, or the um, unreflecting ability of the American capital markets to make China richer. Oh, gosh, I, I think it's uh, tough, tough to pick yeah, that I one. I think it's it? the, the first there because they're really helping make China richer. And, and maybe this is something that China is influencing, funding the efforts that are driving these initiatives, these ESG efforts. And you talk about scoring. You're going to have different ratings agencies scoring people differently. The one I love to tout is that uh, a company in China, the China Coal Energy Company, I mentioned this during my hearing, has a higher ESG rating than a, a company in Texas that owns minerals. They own real estate, essentially. But a China coal company that's using child and slave labor has a higher ESG rating. It's just absolutely absurd. That just points out the absurdity of the entire ESG movement. But when you have issues like that, it just points it out point blank. But you're seeing this manipulation of markets by some of the people that have embraced ESG. Companies like BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, ISS, Glass-Lewis. The Committee to Unleash Prosperity uh, did a study about I don't know, four or five months ago where they ranked um, uh, the um, performance of various ESG funds. And, um, and, and I think that was kind of a watershed moment in the conversation because all of a sudden we had numbers now to identify, hey, this these the more ESG ear you are, the worse you do at what you're actually getting paid to do. <laughs> is that is that um 
Is that fair to say? Is that a is that a is that a correlation that we see? Oh, it's certainly fair, and the numbers prove that. You look at the last year; these uh, top twenty ESG funds had a negative point two return. That's losing money when the S and P and Nasdaq were up nineteen and twenty five percent, respectively. But even then, you go back over the last ten years because no one's going to, no pension fund manager is going to make an investment with a year look outlook. They're going to look ten to twenty to thirty years. You look over the last ten years, this S and P Clean Energy Index fund has returned a four and a half percent increase. The S and P five hundred has returned eleven and a half percent. So, it, to invest, as I said, the virtue signaling is very expensive, uh, and, and it's proving to be the case. It's okay. It's not their money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and and Larry Fink boasts about that. He he boasts to Jim Cramer, mad money. And this is maddening that it's other people's money. And and so whose money is it? It's it's first responders, it's firefighters, police officers, it's teachers, it's state employees, it's federal employees. He's taking their dollars and investing them into companies. Like I just saw an announcement today. Occidental Petroleum building a carbon capture, direct air capture facility in the Permian Basin. This is like putting a wastewater treatment facility in the middle of the ocean. It's it's just absolutely absurd. And and BlackRock's investing $550 million of it. And I guarantee $0 of that is Larry Fink's money. Sure. Uh, well, in all fairness, the federal government's involved in that in that as well, right? Because they give it out eighty-five bucks per ton. Yeah, I think the direct air capture is one hundred eighty dollars. Oh, that's right. Direct yeah, air capture yeah, is even air, higher yeah. than that. I forgot about that. Even though Oxy that. admits they need seven hundred dollars per ton to make it to, work, to make it work financially, so they're getting one hundred eighty from me and you. We're we're being forced to pay out of one pocket. All we're going to get is more expensive energy, less reliable electricity. I was going to say, and absolutely zero mitigation to a changing climate. Seven hundred bucks. That seems like a lot. That seems like a lot. Um, it's probably more than that, quite honestly. Of course it is. It's always more than yeah. whatever they and say they'll publicly. they'll come back to the government and say, we need more because it's uh, like what Orsted's doing right now. Can. They're going to these. And, and I'll give the governor of New York a little bit of credit. She rejected a rate increase of like 64% for their coastal wind project. And Orsted's pulling out. Yeah, we talked about that last week. The tricky thing about that is about two weeks before she did that, um, she signed a deal with the Office of uh, Loan Guarantees, the Loan Loan Guarantee Program Office in DOE, mm. that would specifically allow them to figure out a way to freight those um, extra costs for Orsted and other offshore developers. Oh, how convenient. Yeah, it wasn't announced. There was no press release. No. It just kind of emerged. And so we're like, the chances of those things being connected seem to me to be very high. Call so, me cynical. Yeah. So the smaller pool of rate payers in New York aren't going to be entirely burdened with that. It'll be the larger pool Correct. of U.S. taxpayers. Correct. Got it. Correct. Got it. Uh, you know, and the fact that the temporal fact of it, one was two weeks before she got up and made a big thing about it. I'm just like, hmm. I take back my praise. No, no, no. no don't take back your praise. It's, it's something that bears watching. How about if we say it that way? There we go. But yes. if we say it that way, you know, cynicism is always in order whenever you're dealing with any government. We're really... Anybody. Um, especially when money is involved. Especially when cash is involved. Correct. Um, okay. How's our freestyling part, there we of go. The, part of the part of the festivities? What's the most important problem facing the United States? 
Or do you want to talk about Texas electricity markets first? <laughs> well, they're related. I think energy is is really important to this country, and it's been demonized. I mean, you have a president who says that he will end fossil fuels, and he is moving down that path, dangerously so. Uh, just reading in the last couple of weeks about Guyana and South America and how their economy has more than doubled, 100% increase in their economy. Why? One word, as the, the headline said, oil. They're mm -hmm. producing oil off the coast of Guyana, and it's having an incredible impact to, in a positive manner to their economy. Their grocery stores are stocked. And one of the articles said with Texas T-Bones, I love it. This is great. These people are experiencing economic prosperity. This is the same thing that was happening to Sri Lanka in 2019 and 2020. This country just off the coast of India was experiencing economic prosperity. They were exporting tea, they were exporting rice, they were selling goods to China, they were selling goods to India. People were getting lifted out of poverty for the first times in their lives, truly experiencing what prosperity could look like. And then you have a candidate that runs for office that says, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be the first ever net zero candidate on the face of the earth. And he runs and he gets elected in 2020, he implements a net zero policy that says no more use of nitrogen or fossil fuel based fertilizer. And oh, what yeah, happens? I remember this. You remember now. this? Yeah. I do. Yeah. And what happens? Their food production in one year decreases 40%. They're no longer exporting goods. Food prices increased 80%. And today, nine in 10 people in Sri Lanka are hungry. And when this clown, I'm sorry, the president of Sri Lanka had his palace overrun and fled in a you know, jet fueled <laughs> military plane, <laughs> what? He, he didn't go to Malawi. That's at net zero. I'm like, why Why didn't he should have been relegated to live like people live in Malawi? And, and people don't want to live like that. No one. It's not on anybody's bucket list to go to Malawi or Ethiopia as a, as a vacation. You're going there for missionary reasons. But he went to Singapore, the highest per capita emissions on the planet clean environment, clean water, safe place. But these are energy policies and they're impacting America. Are there, I'm coming back around to this point. Are there such a thing, is there such a thing as socialists? Are there socialists out there? Do they exist? I, I don't know if socialists exist anymore. I think they've just skipped right to communism. I mean, it's about government control, everything. That's why I call ESG expensive, scarce, and government control because that's the impact it has on American well, energy. That's kind of why I ask about socialism because my experience with socialism is this. Everybody wants your stuff, but nobody <laughs> wants to give you their stuff. <laughs> yeah. So there, are, there aren't really socialists. Bernie Sanders is not a socialist. And I know where he, you know, I, I mean, I, I have a place on a hill, not not three blocks from his place, right? I guarantee you if I walked in there one Tuesday afternoon at 10 o'clock, at, at 2 o'clock and just sat down and started watching his cable TV, he'd call the cops on me, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't understand that. He's a socialist. We're just sharing the stuff, right? That's right. Yeah. It's it's kind of the same with net zero, all right? Yeah. Everyone's like, you should do net zero. Oh, that's what you should do, John net Kerry zero, right? Klaus Not Schwab me, buddy. Larry Fink. I mean, you know, Mike, they're all living the high carbon lifestyle, but professing against it. I'm embracing it and telling it that's where we need my, everybody needs to live. My carbon, carbon dioxide molecules are much better than your carbon dioxide you molecules. Know, as, as we sit here and ingest higher concentrations of CO2 than what's in uh, the atmosphere. True or false? We should have a vote about our involvement in Paris. Uh, uh, a, a vote. In, Somebody, someone in Congress should vote for this at some point. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, yes. Yeah. It, it's and, a, and we should we should kill it once and for all. Oh, I, Congress I, hasn't ratified this. I don't, I don't care. I'll, if they want to vote for it, great. Because at least somebody will be able to explain to me right, how we're going to do this. But it doesn't matter, right? The important thing is not really how the vote turns out, although I'm sure you're right. People would be like, are you out of your minds? 
the important thing is the conversation around the vote, right? It yeah. would be it would be very illuminating to watch people explain how this is going to happen, um, and and maybe at that point in time they start to say, well, what does decarbonization do? How, yeah. how does that mitigate a changing climate? And we've we've modeled the, it's a magic model the the model of assess greenhouse gas induced yeah. climate change, and if you completely decarbonize the United States by twenty fifty. The temperature differential by 2100 is less than one-tenth of one degree. It's 0 0.0892 degrees cooler, according to this UN model that's been used for the justification for Paris. All right. Everybody knows that the Chinese have um, – the communist Chinese, not the socialist Chinese. There are no, no. socialist Chinese. <laughs> the communist Chinese, everybody knows they have about 100 gigs of coal um, plants either under construction or in the pipeline or just ribbon cut, right? Um I ran across this number the other day, and I'm going to tuck it away. Anybody want to guess how many refineries they have on the on the um, on the boards in in South Asia? Producer, you want to guess? Thirty. No, you want to guess? I, I know they're building one coal-fired power plant a week. I'd imagine they're probably getting you know maybe one a month for the refineries. Eighty-eight refineries are on the are on the planning are on the planning boards now. Eighty-eight refineries. Eighty-eight. Good and Lord. How many in the U.S.? We got about two dozen of any size, two and a half dozen of any size. Yeah. We, got, we got a bunch of smaller ones, but it, it, 88. I saw that number almost fell over. Wow. Um, it's a big, it's a big, it's a big number. You, you know Are, who's going to be buying those refined products? Yeah. Uh, and, and where the, the oil is coming I, from. I, I, I certainly hope it's not us. How about if I say it that way? Um, uh, all right. Tell me about the Texas electricity market. So this is where I kind of get back into our energy policy and how important it is and yeah. what we're seeing around the country. You look and see what's happened in Germany. Germany has deindustrialized itself because they're, and I can't pronounce the German word, but it translates to energy turnaround. They're now turning around their energy turnaround because it's been an abject failure. The largest BMW, a German automobile manufacturer, the largest manufacturing facility is here in the United States. Which is a good thing because you know, it's in South Carolina. South Carolina, yeah, they've got affordable, reliable. Energy I was going to say cheap, cheap electricity, man. It's yeah. on all the time. Yeah, which is great, and that's why they moved here because energy drives an economy. And if if we don't get back to our senses and have affordable, reliable thermal generation from natural gas, coal, and nuclear, then we are going down the same path. And we are we're down that path now as Germany, as the United Kingdom, and we're not shifting demand; we're just shifting production. And we're going to deindustrialize this country. And that is absolutely frightening. So we have got to get to a point where we have a reliability. This is what we've been advocating for in Texas for years. Now, there needs to be some sort of reliability requirement because the federal government has- For so, electricity. For electricity. Yeah. yeah. The federal government has so heavily distorted the market with the subsidies, $25 per megawatt hour of electricity. Boom, cash payment. The wind's blowing. The blades are turning. You're getting paid whether you're putting that electricity or that electricity is getting consumed or not. I think it's 80 times the amount of subsidies that solar gets. It's a little over 20 times the amount that wind gets compared to natural gas. But I think we need a lot more coal, too. You know, it, it, that, that amount is decreasing in the United States, but guess where it's not decreasing? Everywhere else. Global consumption of coal went up 9% last year. And you know who produces and utilizes coal more responsibly than anywhere else on the planet? The United States of America does. We need to be producing more of it. Because it's great for on-site storage. That's right. Yeah, nothing that's like, what no, helps with reliability. Nothing like a coal pile. That's right. Yeah. Um, you put in rail cars and you keep you keep six to nine months on site. You can't do that with natural gas. You can do it with nuclear, but it, you can't ramp it up and ramp it down like you can with coal and natural gas. 
true or false in both in both Winter Storm Uri in Tex Texas and Winter Storm Elliott in the PJM footprint. The real problem was for different reasons, but and I don't blame anybody for this because if you don't incentivize stuff, you don't get it, right? If you don't pay for stuff, you don't get it. No one's paying for reliability. But in both of those cases, the problem was the gas plants didn't show up. Yeah, you had actually the gas didn't show up to the those gas plants. didn't show up to the plants. In, in, yeah. in Winterstorm Uri, it was because ERCOT told them told the providers that the the distributors on the grid they needed to begin immediately rolling outages, and they rolled the Permian. And so, what does that mean? They shut the electricity yeah. off in the Permian Basin. <laughs> And because of the EPA, all the gas compressors have gone full electric. It's full electric now, yep. and so our gas supply in Texas went from 18.4 billion cubic feet to 4 billion cubic feet with a flip of a switch. And so the the plants that didn't shut down didn't have issues. The ones that already had gas supply close, uh, it was coming from other areas. You had coal supply, nuclear. You know, during that week, natural gas increased its electric generation 450%. Yep. So it didn't necessarily fail, but the cost skyrocketed because the supply yep. was so impacted by yeah, fair. providers turning the electricity off. Fair. And natural gas. And in Elliott, in Elliot, they just no-showed because they couldn't get the gas nominated in time. They got caught short by the weather, which is fine. I'm not, I'm, again, I'm not mad at anybody, but if you don't pay for a liability, guess what? You don't get it. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a little bit like a Slurpee. Yeah. You know, 7-Eleven, just like Bernie Sanders, just like the Chinese, they're not socialists. Come on, man. No, they're not. They're capitalists. You, you, right? You and, want your slurpee. Nothing's lifted people out of poverty more than capitalism. That, that's right. You want your slurpee, you got to pay for it. You want your natural gas, you got to pay for it. Every Everybody does. Okay. True or false is my, this is going to be my favorite talking point for at least the next three weeks, I would think. You know, forget the true or false. <laughs> Name me the two states in these here United States who have either, um, subsidized the creation of natural gas plants or are considering subsidizing the, the building and operation of natural gas plants? Uh, but by the state, by the state now. By, by the state, by the yeah. state. And this is painstaking because you have states that are now, and it's really unfortunate. I agree with the principle. I disagree with the principle. They're chasing subsidies with subsidies. Sure. Texas passed a constitutional amendment. Of the ones that passed, it received the second fewest or the second lowest percentage of passage, which was about 65%. Normally, our constitutional propositions have over 80% success sure. rate. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's, you know, may send a message that this wasn't the best idea to be subsidizing natural gas idea. generation. Subsidies are awful. Okay, which two states? I know Texas. And that's I, one. I don't know. You're not going to like the second it, state, uh, Jason. I'm probably not. Just just take a wild guess. What state would you like the answer least to be? <laughs> oh, Pennsylvania no. or North Dakota. No. Man. California. Oh, God. <laughs> See, and that doesn't surprise me because California is rejecting sure. all this sure. electricity from the coal-fired power plants sure. that aren't in their state. That's that they had these contractual agreements with to say, yes, we're going to buy electricity from you for 30 years. And now they're not. Yeah. It, it, and so the policy decisions being made. And this is one of the reasons I say it, Texas doesn't need to join any other grids in the country, because uh, we don't want policymakers outside of Texas messing up Texas. The ones that we have can, can do a fine yeah, enough job on their own. I, I, but I, 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 I would agree with that 100%. Bit, but, I agree with that 100%. People in California are making decisions that are raising the cost of electricity in Utah, Nevada, Arizona, Wyoming. You can, you can, um, you know, Gavin Newsom's running for president because he's, he's, he kept Diablo Canyon open, right? The nuclear plant. Oh, yeah. And he, he, um, fired up these, these, um, three extra gas units, right? And he, he, 
you know, supposed to be 10 billion. That's why I think the Texas number was 10 billion too. Mm -hmm. I'm like 10 billion, 10 billion. Kind of makes me wonder if there aren't folks out in Gasland kind of shopping around. Hey, give us 10 billion dollars and we'll keep our lights, we'll keep your lights on. Yeah, I don't know where he's getting the gas from. That'll be interesting to to hear. Gavin I assume he's. I assume well, there's plenty of gas in California. You just don't dig any holes and get it out, right? Yeah, his hair gel maybe. I, <laughs> but but it is. It's it's inefficient. It's expensive. Quick Start Natural Gas is great when you have peak demand times, but to run it a lot like they are, it's almost like Microsoft and all the nat the diesel generators they have at their server server farms because they can't count on the grid to operate when they need it, and they can't handle. A power outage. I know that like them and many other IT companies like Apple and Google say they're 100% renewable. And I say, well, if you are, then get off the grid. Yeah. They never will. They will because they're not, they're not, they're not really 100%. No. They're, 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 they have financialized the arrangement to make themselves 100%, yeah. whatever, whatever it is they say they are. Which by the way, does anybody ever audit that stuff? Oh, of course not. No. Okay. I just wondered, I no. wonder, is there somebody out there auditing this stuff or you just get up and get, you know what? We, you know what? We should put that out in a press release, producer. The American Energy Alliance is going to, is going to, um, is going to be a hundred percent net zero, carbon neutral, <laughs> yeah. whatever the right answer is. Yeah. Organic. By 20. I, I like organic. By Fossil organic, fuels are organic. Yeah. By 2030, by 20, what? 2027. Who, who's going to, who's going to keep track of it? <laughs> who's going to say no? Um, all right. Back to my back to my original question. Well, you know, I got one more energy question, and we'll get to the actual questions. Um, energy transition. I'm assuming so when I and I and I mentioned this yesterday in the committee because I got a little heated. You know, what? Some, the, what? the AFL CIO guy was talking about a just transition. Who went? Who came for the AFL CIO? You remember his name? No. Was I, it a him? It was a him. Was it Brad? And I think he identifies as a him. I I don't. Okay. Go ahead. I'm uh, sorry. Uh, but I, he he kept talking about this just transition. I'm like, oh great, you're talking about transitioning the world's poor that don't have any yeah. energy or that are burning animal dung and biomass. To, to heat water that they've walked, you know, eight hours for in a day to collect. They're heating that to be somewhat potable in these countries that are still dying from waterborne illnesses. That's the transition that needs to happen. Seriously, the they need to, to get propane from the United States. They need to, and, and then they'll start to boost their economy. And next thing you know is they'll build power plants. But, you know, Bill Gates doesn't want them building power plants. The UN, the World Trade Organization, the World Bank, all these globalist organizations won't allow infrastructure won't allow funds to flow into these countries well, if they're I, building infrastructure based on fossil fuels why would they but yeah they i mean that's the it's, how, a, it's how an extraction long, colony how long's how long's the world bank been around what's well, since world war ii right yeah they're not involved in lifting people out of poverty they're involved in lifting international bureaucrats out of poverty it, yeah. it, it, all of those all of those that that is the that is the one thing we can probably all agree on those things are all with all due respect to dave malpass i love you dave those things are all waste of time. They, we, we should we should close all of them because the private sector does a much better job of bringing prosperity to people. Amen. I'm just and, you know and, forget forget what you think about the world. That's just what the data tells you. Right? Forget everything else. That's yeah. what the data tells you. That, that's facts. That's not even the science. That's uh, facts. That's right. I mean, it's just like, hey, man, you be that you've been you guys have been at this for 75 years. How's it going? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, the truth of the matter is the Green Revolution. Save more people than the World Bank has. Uh, I'm not talking about. I'm talking about you know Norm Balog, not the not the not the environmental green revolution. <laughs> the, green the actual green revolution yeah. involving more food for more people. I want to I want to quote the president of Guyana real quick. He yeah. says, "We need money from the oil and gas sector to climate proof our country and adapt to climate's change." 
I, I thought that was just a great. And he says, the developed world can change this. They can decarbonize faster. The same people who lecture us, I'm at peace with my philosophy and conscience. This is a, sure. a politician that wants to lift his people out of poverty. Sure. Now, I'm sure he's going to do well, too, uh, but their country is. But he's right. He's, he's going he's to right. master the climate. And when you're in poor places, the weather impacts you. Of course. But what? having access to energy has been incredible for mankind. We've reduced deaths, deaths from weather-related events 99% over the last 100 years while the population has quadrupled. I think these are good things. It was yesterday or during the hearing, people kept talking about, oh, our grandchildren are going to be like, why didn't we do something? And I'm like, we need to be thanking our grandparents for doing something because of the, the, the improvements we've had in air quality and mobility and efficiency and access to clean water. You know, our, our grandkids are going to be cussing us because they don't have these things if we continue down the path that we're going. I going to say, I, I, top of that, who cares? I know my grandkids. I don't care what they think. <laughs> Did you know they're they're whatever they're, they're children? Yeah, they're children. Yeah. And you know what? It to borrow from the you know, borrow the line from Succession, right? I, I love you all, but you're not serious people. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, so I'm going to put you down as energy. The energy transition is mostly fiction, because um, yeah. that's the question I always ask everybody: energy transition, fact or fiction? Yes or no? Oh, it's, true it's or a, false? It's a complete joke. It's a it's a gimmick marketing term along with decarbonization, net zero, low emission future, uh, low carbon lifestyle. These are all just gimmicky marketing terms that have come out of the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania. Hey, 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 what the sorry, wait sorry. what the hell? <laughs> Um, yeah, it's where the Bud Light VP went to school. Uh, so really? sorry, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did probably. you go to school there? Probably, I did. No, she did. That, that was one of the first things I looked up. They have the ESG oh, initiative no. at the Wharton School of Business, yes. at the University of Pennsylvania. It 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 used to be a great business school, um, and Joe Wharton would be yes deeply, deeply, yes, deeply concerned would. about all of this. It's it's what you get though. You waste your money found in a waste your money found in a business school. That kind of thing's going to happen. Where can people get a hold of you and participate and join you in this in this um, mission? Uh, you can find me on social media. I'm Isaac for Energy on X, formerly Twitter. Uh, you can find us at the AmericanEnergyInstitute.com. I'm pretty much easy to find on all social media. I think I, I think I follow you on Twitter. I don't know. Maybe I don't. I probably should. I've rebranded um, re my Twitter a little bit. I, I was Isaac for Texas. Now I'm Isaac for Energy, and I added the Carbon King uh, to my my Twitter handle or, or, or my bio because of Congressman Raskin. When I introduced myself to his committee a few months ago, I told him I live a high-carbon lifestyle. I think the rest of the world should too. I told him I was ingesting higher concentrations of CO2 than what was in the atmosphere, and I wasn't going to spontaneously combust. And Raskin got up there, and he he called me a carbon king, and I, I loved it so much. I was like, Damn. I'm, I'm going to own that. Like, that is so good. You should get a jacket. It's like a badge should, of honor. Well, my wife surprised me, and it was my Halloween costume, and I got it printed on my yeah. on my wallet. It says carbon king. You should you should seriously you should get some gang gang jackets with that thing on there. Just, <laughs> no, just right, yeah. I'd, I'd pay a hundred bucks just to walk around here. The carbon king. <laughs> yeah, I've got a nice uh, crown, like a, a king's crown, in my office with a. With a pump jack on it, it looks pretty good. It's pretty sweet. I'm not sure people understand all of this no, sometimes. <laughs> where it, you know, people don't understand where energy comes from. They think you plug something into the wall and it I, comes from there. I understand. Nobody knows. Nobody understands what what things are until they're gone. All right. Um, 
the floor is yours for as long as you want. Say whatever you say that whatever you want to say that I have not asked you and I've been smart enough to ask you about or that you have you have been itching to say all along. Well, I think it's just important to talk about messaging. And that, that's that's really what I try to focus on, educating policymakers, the general public about the importance of how we message things. And when you're talking about the United States being a world leader in environmental leadership, when you're talking about how we've reduced pollution, 80% over the last five decades. Most people don't know that. I've had senior staff with U.S. senators that serve on Energy Committee years ago laughed in my face when I told them at that point in time we'd reduce pollution 73%. And he says, ha, ah, that's funny. Where'd you get your numbers from? And, and I, was, I was, I thought I was getting punked. And I'm like, um, the, the EPA puts out a report, guys. Um, and even it's I heard an electric vehicle lobbyist giving a symposium after the covid lockdowns. It was that fall of 2020. And he was advocating for going 100 percent electric. And he said that the air quality improved so much during the first two months of the covid lockdowns because traffic had reduced 40 to 50 percent. Vehicle traffic had reduced. And I said, wow, how heartless. You know, these people are losing their jobs, their livelihoods, their way of life in some cases, losing their lives, and he's wanting to seize an opportunity. And I said, Let, let's check the air quality monitors. I want to find out how much the air quality improved. And in this particular case in Austin, Texas, it got worse. Okay. And there were several cities around the United States where the air quality got worse sure. with 50% fewer vehicles on the road. Sure. And some where you saw slight improvements. Regardless, in the U.S., it was negligible because we're practically in a natural state with our air quality. Yeah. I think a study came out last week said that we've reduced so much pollution that more sunlight's making its way to the surface of the earth. And that's why temperatures in cities might be rising. It's, but it's it's it just was where you did see significant improvements for places like China and India. And that's why when I get the opportunity to testify, I say, you know, of all the technology the Chinese steal from us, it'd be nice they would utilize our pollution control technology. But they don't. They could care less about human rights or the environment. They just want to make money <laughs> and be in control and take over the world. Once, once you're genocidal, the rest of it seems to go <laughs> yeah. go, go along, right? Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Thank you very much for coming by. Thanks for having me on. I am very glad you're on our side. Yes. Because um, it would be terrifying if you weren't. <laughs> we need some um, happy warriors and, out there uh, that have a little And sense. please keep up the good work and let us know how we can help. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jason Isaac. All right. Well, thank you, Mike, for um, helming that interview. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting take, the, the, the correlation between wealth and CO2. It's there. It exists. Uh, there's data for yeah. it. Yeah. And, um, you know, not too distant past, uh, it was celebrated, yeah. uh, our wealth. It, 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 it provides a different frame than the conversation usually has. How about if we say it that way? Yeah, definitely. So, all right. Thank you guys. Uh, okay. So I got a follow up here. Speaking of climate, um, it's from Bloomberg. Canada's premiers take aim at Trudeau's signature climate policy. The cornerstone of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's climate policy is being chipped away after his government announced a three-year pause on the carbon tax applied to home eating oil uh, in the Atlantic provinces. Several Canadian premiers are now demanding the same exemption on fossil fuels used to heat their residents' homes, arguing the break is essential to combat rising prices. During this inflationary moment, right now people are, are suffering. The temperatures are getting colder, said Manitoba Premier Wab Canoe. 
In light of that, we do think there should be similar consideration given to the people of Manitoba, uh, et cetera. The, um, I told Nova you. Scotia. I told you. Once this thing started to break, man, everybody's going to break. It's the, I told you last week. It's the death of the Canadian carbon tax. I'm saying, once you, once you, once, once the, once you lose control of that message, everybody's all of a sudden, oh, it lowers, it lowers their prices. Well, how come my bags are paying the higher prices then? It just, it's. I, I, that that guy's not smart. It's a good thing he's pretty because he's not smart. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the. This has been fun to watch that unravel. Uh, uh, to our. Oh, it's going to keep unraveling. We're not done. I think. I think you know now. Now that he's in full retreat, I think everyone's going to fix their bayonets and charge. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. What do you have? Anything? I got one thing. You want it, or you got more? Yeah. Fire away. Earlier this week, friends of mine who I respect tremendously um, put out a um, put out a little blurb in their newsletter in their daily newsletter that said, "Hey." Um, middle class Americans are twenty thousand dollars richer than they were um, twenty years ago or thirty years ago, whatever the metric was, which is an indisputable fact. They are in fact richer. We are we're all richer in the United States. Everybody's richer. Um, they used it to attack friends of mine, which I had some reservations about. And let me just explain to you what my reservations are. The problem with a good significant chunk of folks on the right is that they confuse economics with everything. The reality of it is if you're a middle-class person in these here United States, the last 30 years have seen you lose ground. The government taxes you more in all kinds of different ways, subtle and uh, obvious. Um, your government is, um, has spent the last 30 years picking up $25 trillion in additional debt that you're gonna, you and your kids are going to have to wind up paying. Um, deaths from drug overdoses are up. Um, birth rates out of wedlock are births out of wedlock are up. Um, family disillusion, the dissolution of families is up. Um, life expectancy is down. Um, the expectation that you're safe in your neighborhoods is down. Your chances of um, reaching something approaching income equality with anybody is down. Um, your government seems to be anxious to send you and your sons off to foreign lands to kill people for no apparent reason, at least no reason it's comprehensible. So as a consequence of all of this, there's just a movement in the American right um, that, hey, you know what? The world is bigger than economics, and the government has to be bigger than economics too. And the idea that that economic freedom and individual freedom and societal progress is severable, that those three things are severable somehow, is nonsense. I want you all to read the preamble of the Constitution. Preamble of the Constitution doesn't say, hey, in order to ensure everybody's freedom to do whatever the hell they want, uh-uh, in order to ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, you read that now, damn near a socialist manifesto, but I take the point. Anyway, long story short is I'm concerned, I was very concerned about that. I think the people who think like that 
and write that probably should be more careful because I don't think they actually really think that. I think they just get carried away sometimes with the numbers. Mm. So there you go. That's my big thing. That's my big thought for the day. Well, that's a big one, and uh, there's a lot to to unpack there. But uh, I, you know, I agree with you on what you said. I wasn't aware of the reference, however. So I'll have to go back and look at that and see what it was. So, yeah, it it it's a group you're familiar with. I'm sure it is, and I'm I appreciate your diplomacy. It's very rare. <laughs> I, 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 let me let me just say right out at the outset, I have tremendous respect for all of these guys, and I don't understand yeah. why they decided to take a side swipe at other friends of mine. It made no sense to me. Yeah. We're, we're, no one is going to win this fight on their own. We're going to need yeah. we're going to need everybody. And, and we should well, start I was just going to say that's why, like, I'm glad that uh, uh, we are the ranks of those of us who care about the issues that we, you know, work on on a regular basis has grown sure. over the years, Jason being one of them. And we it's it's welcome and needed. It's frustrating sometimes because, you know, it's competition in some ways, but it's also extremely important that we have, which is why we've done this. There's there's coalition on the cars and everything else. And we, we need to work together. I was right? going to say my, my, my limited experience with this, I've only been at this for, you know, 40 years now. My experience with this is there's always plenty of fight left to go around. Plenty yeah, of right. fight left and to go around. There's plenty of enemies. We don't right. need to create. Exactly. Exactly. Plenty of, plenty of, plenty of fight, plenty of people who are, who are opposed to us. Right. It's always plenty. All right. Well, I think with that, we're going to wrap up this week. Um, I got to get a car. I've got to buy a car with <laughs> next five days. It's, the market just sucks. I'm thinking about maybe an EV. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, you absolutely should. We're going to close with another gem from 46. These are jobs for folks I thought about as I take that train home. You know the park, guys, you get outside of Baltimore, just before you get into Baltimore, you can look out the window and you're going through basically the neighborhood. And I always used to sit there, I mean it coming home, and look out and see people sitting at the kitchen tables. Literally, you could see them right along the track. And wondering, what are they thinking about? What, 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 what are they, what's on their minds? <laughs> okay. I've been on that train. I'm sure you've been on that train. I know the stretch. Yeah, me too. President Biden is talking about. Yeah, man, that thing by Johns Hopkins. I know exactly what and he's let talking me about. Assure the unregulated podcast listeners who are not uh, in the Am Amtrak corridor that there aren't that many <laughs> kitchen tables <laughs> that you can actually see on that stretch. And I'll just leave it at that. So very, very diplomatic boss. Very right. diplomatic. Number 156, if you can believe it, is in the books. Namaste. Namaste.